following message is presented by First Baptist Church of Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Now the message. That's our prayer, Psalms 85, 6. Lord, may you revive us again that we may rejoice in thee. Well, good morning, church. It is so good to see you and so good to be back with you. I recognize uh, most of you, some of you I, I don't know. Uh, it's hard to believe it's been about a year since I was here the last time. I was here in March of, of last year, I believe. And uh, But it is a joy and a privilege to be back with you. My cup is already full. We had the uh, soul winning class yesterday morning for three hours, and man, it was such a such a good time together. There was such good participation, and several people shared their testimonies of how they came to know Christ, and very good time together. And, uh, and then some of us went out in the afternoon and made some visits in the community, and that was that was wonderful, just a great time. And so I'm excited about being with you today and this week. Uh, for revival. And I haven't come to bring revival because I'm not capable of bringing it. God has to send it. Amen. But I did come to get in on one. All right. And, uh, and I'm believing and praying and expecting God to do great things, uh, this week. I'm thankful so much for your pastor, brother Tracy, for his friendship and for him allowing me and inviting me to come again, you know. I go to some churches, Brother Tracy, they let me come one time and then I never hear from them again. (laughs) They're thinking, boy, we're glad he's out of town and gone. Amen. And uh, so it's a blessing when I get to come back to a church. And uh, that means a lot to me. And uh, so thank you, Brother Tracy, for that invitation and for the honor and privilege to stand in this pulpit where you faithfully proclaim the word every single week. And uh, so we're praying God will do something today and this week. Amen. How many of you want God to do something fresh in your own life and heart? Amen. Amen. That's great. And I do too. I do too. And I believe uh, that he will. And that's why these revival meetings are so important to come together for a time just to be under the preaching of the word and worshiping the Lord and being together. And uh, I've been praying for some time that God would meet with us in this meeting, and I pray that he'll give you fruit for your labors. I know this church has been diligently working hard, and God's been blessing in this church and doing some great things here, and I'm excited to hear about all the things that he's doing. And I'm praying that he'll just bless you, give you a lot of fruit, even this week, uh, for your labors and in the days ahead. Now, if I keep fooling with this, it'll take me to about Monday and I'll have it, Brother Tracy. I'll get, I'll get this thing to where it fits me. I was at a church outside of St. Louis, Missouri one time and I could not get that thing to fit all week and they took Scott's tape and taped it across, right here across my face. And that, I literally preached with that all week long. I said, if it doesn't bother you, it doesn't bother me. Amen. And uh, so, but we'll get it down. We'll get it fixed. All right. Well, I told the pastor I've been struggling all morning between a couple different directions for a message. And it's odd. Uh, both ways I wanted to go is in the same chapter. But two completely different messages. And the Lord confirmed with me. And and I kind of figured this is where I was going to go today. It's not really where I wanted to go. And that may be why I've struggled with it this morning, brother. And and uh, so I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew, the seventh chapter. And you'll see Matthew 7 again before this week's over, I'm sure, 
only some different verses up above these verses, okay? And we're going to look this morning at verses 21 through 23. What I have said many times are maybe the most frightening verses in the whole Bible. So Matthew chapter 7, and we'll begin at verse 21. And I want to ask you if you would please to stand with me out of honor and reverence for the reading of God's holy word. In Matthew, the seventh chapter, beginning at verse 21, the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking, and he speaks some very sobering words. Look at it together with me. He said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Now look at verse 22. Many, you ought to circle that word many. Many will say to me in that day, that's talking about the final judgment day of God, the great white throne. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in that name? In thy name cast out devils or demons. In thy name done many wonderful works. But look at verse 23. And then I will profess unto them or I will declare unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Let's pray together. Father, we love you this morning, and we just praise and glorify your holy name. Father, we thank you for the Bible this morning, the Word of God. We thank you for the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation. And Father, we thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus to this earth to suffer and bleed and die on a cross to pay the penalty for our sins, only to be put in a grave, but on the third day to rise from the dead. So, Father, we thank you that through him we can have forgiveness of sin and we can have the gift of eternal life. So, Father, this morning I pray that you would use this passage as well as others and you would speak to hearts today. Lord, I pray for anyone in the building today that's not saved, that doesn't have a genuine, real relationship with Jesus. And Lord, I pray the Spirit of God would convict them. I pray he would draw them. I pray they would see their need to turn to Christ today before it's everlastingly too late. And Father, for those of us who do have this settled, I pray that the Spirit of God would speak to our hearts about those who are without Christ in this community, that we might be able to reach them. So Father, have your way today. Our prayers that you'll save the lost, our prayers that you'll revive the saved, and our prayers that you'll be honored and glorified. For we ask it all in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, the famous evangelist, Billy Graham, who has preached to more people than anybody that's ever lived or walked on this earth, once made the statement that he believed that 70% of church members in America are not saved, that they've never been born again, that they will not go to heaven when they die. And, of course, only the Lord knows for certain what that percentage is. But Billy Graham said that's what he thought it would probably be somewhere around there. And somebody asked him one time, well, Dr. Graham, what do you base that statement on? And this is what he said. He said in his gigantic crusades that he preached for 50-plus years, he said that 70% of the people who get saved in his crusades were already members of Bible-believing evangelical 
churches. And he went on to say this. He said that he believed one of the greatest mission fields in America is the membership roles of many of our churches. You know, a study was done recently here in America by Lifeway Christian Resources among just us Southern Baptists, and and, and they said that 50% of our members in our Baptist churches really don't know if they're saved or not. Well, if those figures are anywhere near true, then that means that many of our churches all throughout America are filled up with lost church members. I want you to think about this. We have over 200 million church members in America. Now, that's church members. If they were all truly saved, I don't think our nation would be in the shape it's in today. I don't think most of our churches would be in the shape that they're in either. And I believe something is desperately wrong, and I believe it is the lost, unconverted church member. So Jesus makes this statement in Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. He makes some very startling statements, actually. He says, not everyone, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, not everyone that claims to be a Christian is a Christian. Not everyone who thinks they're a Christian are a Christian. Not everyone who thinks they're going to go to heaven will go to heaven. And he's not addressing the criminals or the rapists or the child molesters or the murderers or the blasphemers here. He's addressing the religious crowd. He's addressing the moral crowd. And you may say, well, preacher, how in the world would that happen? How do good, honest, moral people, even religious people, how do they end up in hell one day. Well, Jesus says it's going to happen. So how does it happen? Well, I want us to consider just four things this morning. I believe there are a lot more reasons than four, but I want us to think about what I believe are the most prominent reasons why. Okay. Four reasons why. And I've titled this message today, how to go to hell from a church pew, how to go to hell from a church pew, how to be religious but lost. How does that happen? How do people who claim to know God, who claim to have a relationship with God, but they really don't have one with God, how does this happen? Well, I want us to consider four things this morning. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. Okay. All right. Number one, I believe first of all, if it happens because of a profession without a possession, a profession Without a possession. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, I'm talking about a profession of faith without a possession of faith. Isn't that what this group right here had? They, they confessed, they professed that Jesus was their Lord. Amen? But they obviously didn't have a possession of faith because Jesus told them, I don't even know who you are. And he said, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Now, as I already mentioned, the scene here is of the final judgment day of God. I'm glad I'm not going to be at that judgment day. And if you're saved, if you're a true born-again child of God, you won't be there either. That is the final judgment of the unsaved. And all of these people pictured here standing before Jesus... They thought they were going to spend eternity in heaven when they died. But instead, they hear the words, I never knew you, depart from me. And so here's the problem back in verse 
21. As you look back down at that again, he says, Not everyone that says, says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, they had a profession of faith, right? But they did not have a possession of faith. And what I mean by that is that they were not saved. Amen? Hey, I have people all the time tell me every week, I'll witness to people and they say, oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Or, oh yeah, I I know God. Or, I have a relationship with God. And and I always come back with this question, well, when did you get saved? And they said, well, I, I am a Christian. I said, that's great, but when did you get saved? Well, I believe in God. I said, that's great, but when did you get saved? Because if you haven't got saved, you're not a Christian. If you haven't gotten saved, you're not a child of God. If you haven't gotten saved, your sins have not been forgiven. If you haven't been saved, you're not on your way to heaven. Amen? You may be a good person. You may live a good life. You may do good things just like these folks in this passage of Scripture that Jesus is talking about. You may even be religious, but you're lost. You have a profession of faith, but not a possession of faith. See, they never were saved. Just saying you believe in God, friend, that doesn't, that doesn't make you saved. That doesn't mean that you're a Christian. You've got to come to Christ. You've got to come through the cross. In fact, when I ask somebody about their faith and they just tell me they believe in God, automatically bells and whistles go off and I figure I'm probably dealing with a lost person. If they don't mention Jesus in the first minute, something's wrong. Amen? It's about Jesus and having a relationship with him. You say, isn't it important to believe in God? Yeah, it's pretty important. And uh, the book of James says that, that even the demons believe. And they tremble. That's the difference. They trem- I don't see much trembling in our day and time. But they tremble about it. Amen? And so, yeah, you place your faith in Jesus. You, you believe in God, but it's about a surrender of your life to Christ. And you ask many people, again, are you a Christian? Uh, uh, do you know that you're going to heaven? And most everybody in America is going to tell you yes. They may live like the devil. They may live like God doesn't exist. But they're going to tell you yes. But they could never tell you when they got saved. They could never tell you about getting saved. They could not share a testimony with you. And folks, I believe there are thousands and maybe hundreds of thousands and most likely millions and millions of people in America today inside many of our churches and outside of the churches as well who have a profession of faith. They say they believe in Jesus, but they've never been saved. They have a profession without a possession. Amen? There's a difference between knowing about God and knowing God. You see, I got saved in 1983. I was brought up in church, brought up in Sunday school, and I knew about God. I knew a little bit about the Bible. I knew a few Bible stories, and and I knew all about him, but I didn't know him. And in February of 1983, this month, in February of 83, is when I come to realize I was lost and, and, and that I needed Christ in my life. And I repented of my sin. And I turned to Christ. And he saved my soul. And he's changed my life. Amen. So you don't want to have just a profession. 
without a possession. That's how that happens, all right? That's, that's how it happens. Well, let, let's consider a second thing. Not only a profession without a possession, but secondly, religious without a relationship. Religious without a relationship. How many of you would agree with me this morning that being a Christian is having a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ? Amen? Absolutely it is. It's not about being religious. Hey, we, we live in a nation full of religious people. Amen? And we even got a lot of religious folks in many of our churches. But look back at the verses again. Jesus said, verse 21, Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. What is his will? That's to receive the Son. And he said, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, have have we not prophesied in thy name and cast out demons and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I'll profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Do you know that there is a difference between being religious and being saved? Whenever I ask a person about their spiritual life and they say, I'm a religious person, well, I know I'm not dealing with a Christian. Amen? Not dealing with a Christian. I'm dealing with a religious person. Hey, I want to tell you, there won't be one religious person in heaven. But hell's going to be full of millions of religious people. Amen? So this is how this happens. People are religious they don't have a relationship. And see, these people that Jesus is speaking about here, they were religious, very religious people. They, they talked about all the things they did for him. And they said, we did it in your name. We did it in your name. But they obviously didn't have a relationship with him because Jesus said, I don't even know you. And you see, friends, religion is about rituals. Religion is about works. Christianity, on the other hand, is about a relationship with the living God through His Son, Christ Jesus. And you say, well, now, now, preacher, that sounds good, but listen, I've been a member of the church for 20 years or 30 years or 40 years, and my parents are, are buried in a church cemetery, and, and I've given money and tithes and offerings uh, to the church to advance the work of the Lord. I've, I've served in the church. I've taught Sunday school. I've helped in various ministries of the church. That's great, but so did these folks. You see, they were religious but lost. They knew about God, but they didn't know God. You see, the Bible tells us in John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, as many as received him, to them he gave power to become children of God, even those that believe on his name. You see, being saved is about personally receiving Christ into your life as your Lord and Savior. And friend, if you haven't personally received him, I don't care uh, how many churches you join. I don't care how much money you give. I don't care how many times you've been baptized. I don't care how many prayers you repeat or creeds you recite. You're still lost and you're one heartbeat away from the devil's hell. Amen. Jesus said in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he said, no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus did not say I'm a way to heaven. He did not say I'm one of many ways to heaven. He didn't even say I'm the best way to heaven. He said what? He said, I am the way. There's only one way to heaven, and that's through Christ. That's through the cross. That's through his blood. Amen? You're not going to get in some back door, side door. You've got to come Through him, Jesus is the door 
to heaven. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, the Bible says there's no other name uh, given under heaven whereby man must be saved except the name of Jesus. You say, yeah, but what if a person's sincere in what they believe? They can be sincerely wrong. Amen? There's only one way, friends. The Bible makes that very, very clear. So the question this morning is this, have have you been saved? Have you been born again? If you've got to think more than two, three seconds about that to answer it, then, then you've probably got a problem. Amen? Have you been saved? If the answer is either yes or no. Have you been born again? Or are you just religious and not have a real relationship with God? And friend, if you're just religious, again, your sins have not been forgiven. God is not your heavenly father and you're not on your way to heaven. Religious folks do not go to heaven. Saved people go to heaven. Amen? Saved people go to heaven. Well, let me suggest a third reason how this happens. Go to hell from a church pew. Not only being religious without a relationship, but number three, and this is a big one. Turn to somebody and say, this is a big one, all right? It's a big one. Baptism without being born again. Baptism without being born again. You say, now, 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 preacher, no, no, everybody hear me out on this. Jesus said that he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. What is his will? I mentioned earlier to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior in your life. To trust him, to place your faith in him and be born again. Amen? What did Jesus say over in John chapter 3, verse 3 and verse 7? He said, he's talking to a very religious man, by the way, more religious than anybody else. He said, unless a man is born again, he'll not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, friend, what is there to interpret about that? Nothing. Says what it means, means what it says. Unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. To be born again means to be born of the Spirit. It means to be born from above. It means to be born of God. The theological word for for born again is regeneration. Every generation needs regeneration. Now, probably everybody in this room knows something about baptism. I bet there's probably not a person in this room that hasn't been baptized in one way or other at some time or another. All right? It's hard to find anybody in America that hadn't been baptized in some form or fashion. And when I witness to a lot of people, uh, you know, I'll ask them about their salvation. I'll say, hey, have you been saved? Uh, uh, have you been born again? Do, do you have assurance in your heart that if you died right now, you'd go to heaven? That's the question I like to ask. And, and a lot of times I'll get this answer. They'll say, yeah, I sure have. And I said, well, tell me about it. And they said, well, I was baptized. Immediately when somebody tells me that, I know I'm dealing with a lost person because they don't know what salvation is. Amen? If they knew what salvation was, they wouldn't talk about their baptism. They'd talk about Jesus. Hello? Amen? Religious but lost. And you see, baptism will not save anybody. Baptism will not wash away your sins. Baptism will not get anybody into heaven. And there are a lot of people, I believe millions of people in America today who who have this all confused and they believe that because at one time or another in their life they got under some water, they think their sins were washed away and that made them a Christian and now they're on their way to heaven. And you got people who were baptized when they were an infant. I want to tell you, you're not going to find that in the Bible. 
That's not in the Bible. Man made that up. Amen? That's not in the Bible. You don't baptize infants. Baptism is for those who are old enough to believe, those who are old enough to trust Christ and, and receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Then you get scripturally baptized. None of this sprinkling stuff, but immersed in the water. Placed under the water shows death. Uh, put in the water shows death. Placed under the water shows burial. R- rising up out of the water shows resurrection. That's what Christ did for you, and that's what's happened to you as a new believer. You've died to the old, and you've been risen to the new. And water baptism is simply a step of obedience. It's your first step of obedience in following Jesus as your Lord and your master. Amen? You say, well, I went through confirmation class. Show me that in the Bible. You're not going to because it's not there. That's not salvation. Salvation is about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? When you trust him. So don't count on, on water to wash away your sins. Count on the blood of Jesus to wash away your sins. Again, baptism is simply the first step of obedience for a brand new believer. But hear me, you don't get baptized until after, till after, till after you're saved. Not before you're saved. You follow that up, you follow your salvation up with believers baptism. Even Jesus was baptized, wasn't he? He walked 70 miles to be baptized by John the Baptist. Jesus didn't need to be baptized whatsoever. He had no sin whatsoever to repent of. He didn't need to be saved. He is the Savior. Amen? But he says, I've done it to fulfill all righteousness. And you say, well, preacher, why would you make that point anyway? Well, simply because of this. I've been a traveling evangelist for 14 years. I pastored for 22 years. And listen, I have seen thousands, I'm sure, of people who have been baptized without ever being born again. Amen? And in the church and out of the church, baptized without being born again. Somebody says, well, I got baptized one time, and I believe in God, so I I think I'm a Christian. I want to say, did Christ change your life? What's different about your life since then? Well, they're still living for the world, living like the world, living for the devil. I say, what's different about your life? Man, if there's nothing different, you didn't meet this Jesus. Amen? He's in the life-changing business. Listen, you can be religious and remain the same, but when you meet Jesus, he is going to change your heart. That's regeneration and transformation. And that takes place when you have a true, genuine salvation experience. You know what happens when an unsaved person gets baptized? They may get baptized the right way in the water by immersion. But you know what happens to an unsaved person when they get baptized? They just come up an unsaved person. Huh? They went down a sinner. They came up a wet sinner. Amen? Nothing different. Nothing different. And even for a believer... The the baptism, again, is just a step of obedience. And and you're saying, I've surrendered my life to Christ, and I'm not ashamed of Jesus. And I want to follow him and do the first thing he commanded me to do, and that is to be baptized. Amen? But make sure that you're not counting on your baptism as your salvation experience. Because you can be baptized without being born again. 
Amen? Here's what I always say. No change, no salvation. No change, no salvation. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it's my life verse, by the way. It's how I knew I was saved. God confirmed my salvation through that verse. If any man be in Christ or anyone be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Has there been a change take place in your heart? Are you See, religious people might go to church every Sunday. Some of them don't, but some of them do. They might go to church every week, but they don't have the living God in their heart. Amen? They don't know Christ. They just know about Christ. Well, let me give you one more thing to consider. How does this happen? How do people go to hell from a church pew? By a title without a testimony. A title without a testimony. Let's go back to the passage again and look at what he says one more time. He say, Verse 22, he says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord... I mean, they're pleading with him. They're standing before him. Lord, have we not prophesied in that name? That means to teach, and that means to preach. And, and in thy name cast out devils or demons in thy name. Now, look what he says. Done many wonderful works. They're saying, Lord, look at all the great things that we've done. And we did it for you, and, and, and we did them in your name. And people say, well, Lord, I'm, you know, I'm a charter member of the church. Lord, I'm a Sunday school teacher. Or Lord, I sing in the choir. Or Lord, I work with children or work with youth. Lord, I'm, I'm a deacon and I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but those are the titles we have. Amen? Or Lord, even I'm a preacher. But the question is this, or do you have a testimony? I want to tell you, you go to your average Baptist church and you say, all right, we're going to line everybody up. <laughs> And we're going to put a microphone in your hand. We want you to come down here and stand. And we want you to give a testimony of your conversion experience. Could you do it? Most people in our churches can't and never will. You know why? They don't have one. Amen? Testimony. You say, what do you, what's a testimony? That's your story. That's the story of your conversion, your life before Christ, how and when you came to Christ. You ought to know something about that and how Christ has changed your life since then. Amen? And that's your testimony. And any believer ought to be able to share briefly something about their testimony. And there are a lot of people that carry a title in the church. But if you ask them about their testimony, they can't give one. They can't share one with you. And, and, and they get very uncomfortable about it. They may get a blank look on their face. But hear me, friend, hear me today. You may be a good person and you may be a good church member. You may be a good church member, all right? And, and you may be valuable to the church and do a lot of good things uh, in the Lord's name for the church. But if all you have is a title without a testimony, you're one heartbeat away from hell. One heartbeat. All it takes for your heart to quit beating, you'd be in hell in a matter of seconds. And you'll be there forever, just like this group here that he's talking about. See, your title won't save you, will it? Title won't get you to heaven. You're not going to stand before Jesus and say, well, Lord, look at me. I was a Sunday school teacher. He's going to say, so what? So what? Amen? The question is, have your sins been placed under the blood of Jesus? That's all that matters. 
That's all that matters. If that hadn't happened, it doesn't matter what title you carry in the church. It doesn't matter how much money you've given to the church. And friend, you may have walked an aisle. You may have prayed a prayer. You may have shaken the preacher's hand. You might have joined the church. You might have gotten a title. But you are as lost as an atheist because you've never been born again. And it may be today that the Holy Spirit's dealing with someone. Maybe he's been dealing with you for a long time. And he's been convicting you. He's been drawing you. And, and, and you know you're not saved. And, and the devil kind of whispers in your ear, hey, when, he's going to get that invitation in a few minutes. Don't, don't you get up and walk down there. You've been in this church a long time. You, you're a prominent member of the church. You've got a title in the church. If you walk down there, you're going to embarrass yourself. You're going to embarrass your wife. Or your husband, you're going to embarrass your family, you're going to embarrass your church. Don't you go down there. Well, of course the devil would tell you that. Amen? Of course he would tell you that. Because he doesn't want you to be saved. And he'll whisper things like this in your ear. If you go down there, uh, people are going to make fun of you. People are going to talk about you. And hey, listen, I'd be a lot more concerned about what God thinks than what man thinks. Amen. Listen, your salvation is much more important than somebody's opinion. Amen. Much more important than somebody's opinion. And friend, when you get saved, when you get born again, the Bible says in Romans eight sixteen that the Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. Is he bearing witness? The Bible says in 1 John 5, 13, these things are written that you might know that you have eternal life. Not hope that you have it, not think that you have it, but that you might know that you have eternal life. Friend, you can have a no-so salvation, and you don't want a hope-so salvation. You want to know-so. You want to know that you know that you know in your heart. Over in, in the book of the Revelation, in, in chapter 12 and verse 11, I want, to, I want to read this verse to you. A lot of you probably already know this verse by heart. But in, in the last book of your Bible, Revelation 12 and verse 11, look what it says. It says, and they overcame him, him being the devil. And this is talking about Christians. These are Christians who are going to be martyred. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah for the blood of the Lamb. And by the what? Word of their testimony. <laughs> and they loved their lives even unto the death. In other words, they were willing to give their life if, if, they, if it required it. Amen? And many of them did. You see, they didn't just have a title. Probably most of them didn't have any kind of title. But they had a testimony. That's what matters. That's what matters. I'm saved. I've trusted Christ, whether you were saved as a little child, whether you were saved as a teenager, whether you were saved as an adult, whether you were saved later in life, wherever, it doesn't matter. But what does matter is that you've been saved and you know that you're saved. Amen? So how does this happen? I mean, isn't this a frightening passage of Scripture? I mean, it's talking about people who are religious but lost. But how would a person go to hell from a church pew? And I believe it happens all the time. I believe it happens every day of the week, constantly. 
I believe these are the four most prominent reasons. I believe there are other reasons, but I believe these are the four most prominent. I believe by a profession without a possession. A profession without a possession. Sure, yeah, preacher, I believe in God. Yeah, I believe in God. Yeah, well, but have you received Christ? Have you been saved? Have you been born again? Then believing in God will really mean something. Amen? So, a profession without a possession. Secondly, religion without a relationship. There are a lot of people, just it's a ritual every week. They go to their church, and there's, there's the Spirit of God doesn't have anything anywhere near it. And they go to church every week, and it's just rituals, and it's just religion. But they feel better about themselves when they walk out. It's nothing about a relationship with the living God. You've got to have a relationship with Him. And that only comes by knowing Jesus. Thirdly, baptism without being born again. Again, I bet everybody in here has been baptized probably. Probably. But have you been born again? Have you been born again? You want to make sure you know Jesus. And then finally, a title without a testimony. A title without a testimony. Look at that last verse again, verse 23. Jesus said, then I will profess unto them, I, say it with me, church, I never knew you. Isn't that sad? Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I've shared this story in other messages before, but I think it's going to fit right here. I'm going to share this and I'll give the invitation. I was preaching a revival at a church up in Arkansas several years ago, several years ago. And it was the last night of the revival, Brother Tracy. It was Wednesday. And I gave the invitation, and I think there were five people saved that night. We had people saved all week long. But that night there were five. And I remember the pastor had them down there, and he introduced every one of them at the end. said, hey, this person got saved, this person, you know, gave their name and all that. Well, one of the people who got saved that night was a 53-year-old lady, and she was a member of the church. And I'll never forget, this one stands, I've seen this happen probably hundreds of times, but this one stands out in my mind. He introduced her, he, wait, he waited till the end, he said, this, her and her husband are the best members of this church. That's what he said, I'll never forget it. He said, they're the best members of our church. And he told about her how she taught Sunday school. She led the women's Bible study. Uh, they opened their home cottage prayer meetings prior to the revival. She served as altar counselors. I mean, she, this woman had it going on. Amen? And a very nice, sweet lady. Very nice, sweet lady. And she had tears just pouring down her face. And the pastor said, her name, he said, uh, what made you realize that you weren't saved? And this is what she said. She said, I knew all about Jesus, but I didn't know Jesus personally in my heart. She's brought up in a Christian home. Probably went to church nine months before she was born. Amen? And she'd been in church all her life. Well, she got gloriously saved that night. Man, it was something. It was really something. 
Well, the next day I was driving down the road. The pastor called me on my cell phone. He said, I need to talk to you for a minute. And I said, okay. He said, remember the lady that got saved last night? I said, well, which one? There were five of them. He said, the last one, the one that was a church member. The others weren't church members, but she was. And I said, yeah, boy, I do. I said, that was really something. He said, it was something. He said, I want to tell you what happened today. He said, I got to my office. I hadn't been there five minutes. My phone rang. It was her husband. He said, you remember her husband? I said, I sure do. Now, I'm probably exaggerating. I'm saying he's probably six foot six, 276, mean-looking guy. Amen? And he's the chairman of the deacons, and he stared me down all week long. Wouldn't even look up hardly most of the time. And I said, yeah, I remember him. He said, he called me as soon as I walked in. He said, just seeing if you're there, preacher. So I'm going to be there in a minute. And he, and he showed up. He said he walked in his office, and he said he was kind of walking around like this, looking around, and he wouldn't say anything. He said it was almost like he was in a daze. He said he kept walking around, and the pastor was getting kind of concerned. And finally the pastor said, well, uh, he said, wasn't that something about your wife last night? And he said when he said that, man, he turned, he looked at him. He said, I didn't think so last night. And the pastor said, excuse me? He said, I said I didn't think so last night. And the pastor said, you don't think it's great that your wife, who's been a lost church member most of her life, got saved last night? You don't, you don't rejoice in that? You don't think that's great? You're going to have to explain that to me, deacon. And he said he got tears in his eyes. He said, Preacher, I didn't think so last night because somebody else should have got saved. The pastor said, Oh, he said, Who's that? He said, Me. True story. And the preacher said, Explain. He said, You're the chairman of the deacons, you're in charge of the men's ministry, you're in charge of the bus ministry. You, you, you're an altar counselor. You, you, you've, you've opened your home to college prayer. You used to be on staff at a church in Georgia as an associate pastor. What do you mean you're not saved? And he said, that big old boy looked at him. He said, pastor, you ought to know better than that. None of those things will save you. He said, I'm lost. And he fell down on the floor in that pastor's office. And, and he said, I got to get saved right now. And the pastor said, well, I reckon you know what you need to do. And he said, that big old boy cried out to the Lord, weeping with brokenness and tears. And admitted, said, God, I've just been religious but lost. I've been an old lost church member almost all my life. And Lord, I, today I'm accepting you in my heart as my Lord and Savior. And he got saved. True story. And I could repeat many similar to it. Well, about two weeks later... I called the pastor and I said, I want you to tell me about that family, that couple in your church. I want you, he said, what do you want to know? I said, they were such a sweet couple and they really were nice folks. And I said, you said both of them were the best members of your church. I said, well, they both got saved. I said, do you see any difference in their lives? He said, man, do I ever. I said, well, what kind of difference? They were already committed. They already tithed their income and gave more than that. They worked. They served. They, they did all the things that a person ought to do, right? They were doing it. I said, what's the difference? He said, oh, he said, preacher, there's a joy. 
in their heart they've never had. It's expressed on their face. He said, they're just in love with Jesus. He said, just, he said it just flows through them. Their face just glows with Christ. He said, they've even said, they said, we've got a peace in our heart unlike we've ever had in our lives. We've got a joy in our hearts that we've never had. And they said, it's not about just being religious and doing things. It's about knowing him and living for him. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. In just a few brief moments, we'll have our invitation. You all have listened so well. This is such a good church to preach to. But as our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I believe the invitation is the most important part of the entire service. And so I want to explain some things. And I want you to listen very carefully. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and we don't do that out of ritual. or We do that just to shut off any distractions around us, okay? I want to ask you a question, okay? I want you to hear me out before you raise a hand. I'm going to ask you in a few moments, if you're saved, if you know that you're saved, and listen, I'm not asking you if you hope you're saved, if you think you're saved, if maybe you're saved. Don't, if that's your answer, please don't raise your hand. But if you could say without a shadow of a doubt, preacher, I don't understand all of it, but I know I'm saved. I know that I'm saved. If you can be honest and admit that to yourself, and if you can admit it to God, if you were to stand before Jesus right now, would you be able to say, I'm saved? If so, would you point a hand toward heaven? Just raise it up and point it toward heaven and thank him for your salvation because he's the one that saved you. And if not, don't you dare put your hand up. But if so, the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can put your hands down. You can put them down. Isn't it great to be saved? And it's even greater to know that you're saved, isn't it, folks? Listen to me. If you're here this morning and you weren't able to raise your hand because you say, I, I just don't think I'm saved or I don't know if I'm saved, are you going to go the rest of your life trying to figure that out or are you going to settle that today? You ought to settle it today. This morning, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. You say, preacher, what do I have to do to be saved? Listen, I'm going to tell you the same thing I'd say if I was speaking to a group of children this morning. If I was speaking to a group of teenagers, if I was speaking to, at, at a nursing home uh, to senior adults, if I was speaking in another country somewhere, another culture, I'm going to say the same thing every time. What i got to do to be saved, it only take me two minutes to tell you. First of all, first step is realize that you're not. Simply admit to God, God, I'm lost. Lost means to be separated from God. That's a spiritual condition of anyone without Christ. That was my condition until 1983. Lord, I'm lost. I am a sinner. I deserve judgment. I deserve hell. That's the first step towards being saved. Secondly, you've got to be willing to repent of your sins. You know what repent means? It means to turn. It means to turn from your sin and from yourself, and it means to turn to Christ. You've got to have a repentant heart. It's a, it's a change of mind about your sin, about yourself, and about God. That's what repentance is. It's a change of mind. 
Lord, I know I'm lost. I know I'm a sinner. I am sorry for my sin, and I'm willing to turn. And I'm going to turn to Jesus. Turn away from my sin. Turn away from myself and turn to you. Would you be willing to do that this morning? Turn. Thirdly, you got to believe. you got to place your faith and your trust in Christ, in him. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, literally your Lord. And believe in your heart, not just in your head. Religious people believe in their head. But believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. Would you be willing to do that this morning? Believe with your heart. Trust him with your heart. Billy Graham says it best. He said to believe on Jesus means you rest all your weight upon him. It means that you surrender your life to him. It's not just believing about him. It's believing on him. It's believing in him. It's the difference between your head and your heart. It's the difference between heaven and hell. Would you believe this morning? Would you be willing to confess him as Lord of your life today? You say, yes, I would, preacher. Then take the final step. Romans ten thirteen says, for whosoever, and everybody in this room is a whosoever, for whosoever shall call the Lord shall be saved. Do you know that you're lost? Are you willing to repent? Are you willing to place your faith and trust Jesus to save you this morning? He's the only one that can save you. You say, yes, I am. Then I want to invite you to call upon him right now and ask him to come into your life to be your Lord and Savior. You say, well, preacher, what do I say? I wouldn't know what to say. I wish I had exact words to tell you this to say, but there's not a a prayer in the Bible that you use. There's some examples. But this morning, you just pray what's on your heart. But I I am going to pray a prayer, and I'm going to invite anyone in this room this morning that couldn't raise their hand a moment ago, anybody that's not certain if they're saved today, and you you want to nail it down, you want to be certain today from this on, no looking back ever again that you're saved, that you're born again, I want to invite you to pray this with me. And listen, you can repeat a prayer after me or anybody, and it won't mean anything. It won't mean nothing unless you're sincere in your heart. And if you're not trusting Jesus, the prayer won't mean anything. It's by grace through faith that you're saved. And so would you be willing to trust him this morning? If so, I want to invite you to just call up on the Lord by praying a simple prayer of repentance and faith, kind of like this. Don't even have to be the same words. You don't even need me to lead you. But most people want somebody to lead them. Just say something like this. Say, Lord Jesus I'm going to pray out loud. You can just pray quietly right there where you're seated. If you want to pray out loud, pray out loud. If you want to come down and get in this altar and pray, you just get come on get in the altar and pray. But just pray something like this. Say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm really lost. And Lord, I want to be saved today. And God, best I know how, right now, I turn from my sins and I turn to you. Lord Jesus, I believe with all my heart that you died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. I believe you were resurrected from the grave. And so, Lord Jesus, right now, I trust you. Lord, I'm not trusting in my works. I'm not trusting in the church. I'm not trusting in anything except you to save me. So, Lord Jesus, would you come into my heart, save my soul right now, 
Forgive me of all my sins and change my life. Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me this morning. Thank you for loving me. And help me to live the rest of my life for you and help me to never, ever be ashamed of you starting today. I pray this in Jesus' name. As our heads are still bowed and eyes are closed, in a moment we're all going to stand, but just hang on for a moment longer. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 32, 33, he said, Whoever confesses me before others, I'll confess before my Father who's in heaven. He said, Whoever denies me before others, I'll deny before my Father who's in heaven. Those are not my words. Those are Jesus' words. Jesus said, If you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Why do we give a public invitation in the church as this church does? We do that so you have an opportunity. There's several reasons for an invitation. But one of those reasons is so you can come and make your decision public, like Jesus said to do. Confess him publicly before others. And you can do that today. And I want to encourage you. So as our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, listen, I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I promise you that all week long. I'm not embarrass anybody. I'll not call anybody out. I'm not going to come to you. Don't you worry about that. But listen, if you prayed to receive Christ this morning... You ought to be thrilled about that. You ought to be relieved this morning. And you ought to, our heart ought to be filled with joy today. And again, I'm not going to call you out, but if you prayed with me this morning, invited Christ in your heart, don't be ashamed of your decision. If you're ashamed of your decision, it probably doesn't mean anything. But would you just slip up a hand, put it up, and then put it back down? Just put it up. So I did. I asked Christ into my heart. I asked Jesus to save me, anyone at all. Amen. Amen. Who else today? So I, I, I prayed, preacher. I met every word of it. Well, God knows whether you did or not. Okay, here's what we're going to do. Heads are still bowed and eyes are closed. In just a few moments, we're all going to stand. The pastor is standing down here right now waiting on you. Okay? If you prayed to receive Christ this morning, listen to me. As soon as we stand, first verse, get out of your seat immediately. Make your way down the aisle, and I promise you the devil's going to whisper in your ear and give you all kind of excuses for not coming. But you get up and you come. And you come down here and take the pastor's hand and just say, Pastor, I got saved a moment ago. I called up on the Lord. That's all you need to tell him. Or maybe you're here today and you didn't raise a hand, and that's fine. That's fine. But you say, I did pray with you. I just didn't put a hand up, preacher. Will you get up and come? And you tell the pastor you got saved. Or maybe you didn't get saved this morning, but you want to be saved. You get up and come this morning. Will you do that today? The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about First Baptist Church, including contact info, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.